a little tangy, <laughs> but I promise it's not bad. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, <laughs> you know, the one name. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some a scary thought for you today as we welcome you to this 474th episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Hope all is well wherever you're listening to our little program today. Um, this is, again, a really a scary thought. Think about this. Patrick Mahomes, who just won his first Super Bowl in, what, it'd be his third season in the NFL, but only his second as a starting quarterback. He won in his first year... Or was it this year? No, his first year he won because it was Jackson who won the MVP this year. Last year, Mahomes wins his first MVP as the first-year starting quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs, his second year in the league. So I want to make sure I get that right. He just completed his third season in the National Football League. He was recently on the uh, LeBron James' new HBO show called The Shop. And Mahomes made the unbelievable proclamation. I can't believe this. Now, I I know Brett Favre was an idiot when he came into the league years ago. And and, uh, I remember him when he was... Ty Detmer was the backup to Brett Favre back in Brett's early days in Green Bay. And I remember an interview where Brett Favre... Ty Detmer had to tell Brett Favre what a nickel defense was. Brett Favre didn't know what a nickel defense was when he played ball at, at, at Southern Mississippi. Now, we know Brett Favre is not a rocket scientist. All you got to do is listen to him talk. You'll figure it out. But this just surprised the, just su- this surprised the shit out of me. Patrick Mahomes is on the show called The Shop, and he makes this proclamation that it wasn't until about halfway through just this last completed season that he really started to be able to read and fully understand NFL defenses and what they were doing. I'm having trouble believing that. This is scary, folks. If this young man, who I think is unbelievably talented, I think he's the best quarterback in the league right now, bar none, and that's including my guy in Green Bay and that sneaky good guy in Seattle and any other quarterback in the league, including that running back who's playing quarterback in Baltimore, I think the best quarterback right now Best player in the National Football League is Patrick Mahomes. Look what he did in the Super Bowl against a very, very good 49er defense. And think about this. He couldn't even read defenses until halfway through the season. I just can't believe, my friend, that this guy, I knew he was going to get better. Everybody gets better, just like fine wine. Everybody gets better with age until you get to 55 and they think that they wish that you had less life experience. But... Patrick Mahomes is only going to get better. I'm a, I'm thinking here if you're uh, Breeze and Manning and all these guys that have these records, Brady and and Favre and maybe someday Aaron Rodgers, all these guys on the top list of passings. I think at the end when Mahomes finally says I've had enough, he his name's going to be at the top of all these lists. I truly believe that because of the coach he's got and the skills that he's got. But I think this is unbelievable that this young man, one year removed from being the league MVP, 
a couple of months of being removed from being named the Super Bowl MVP and winning a Super Bowl championship in your third season. And this guy comes out and says, I wasn't even able to read defenses and know what the hell they were doing until halfway through my third season in the NFL. I think the rest of the teams, especially the teams in the AFC West, you're in for a next decade of a lot of shit of watching Patrick Mahomes blow your ass up. Oh yeah, this this division, the AFC West, is either going to turn into the AFC East or the American League East. Yeah. It's one of the two. It's either <laughs> going to be just extremely top-heavy uh, or, or it's going to turn into some ridiculous ultra-competitive thing where it's just this, you know, this, this space race type thing where everyone's just trying to outdo each other all the time and it's ultra cutthroat. It's hard to know which way it'll go. I kind of think Kansas City will just dominate, but you know, there's a lot of money in Las Vegas, certainly a lot more than in Oakland. So maybe that'll help them there. Right. And who knows, maybe, maybe, maybe Denver will smarten up too. I don't know. Maybe uh, the LA Chargers too. Uh, I know. I, yeah, I know. Uh, that's I'm, a tough I'm, one. I think if the, the LA Roger, uh, LA Chargers were serious, they would have kept Phillip Rivers. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So apparently the Chargers are trying to get Brady. Apparently the, uh, Apparently, the Niners have made overtures at Brady, and that would be interesting uh, with that defense. Assuming he can still play. I'm not convinced Tom Brady can still play, and I'm, I've never been convinced he can play outside New England. So I, I hope he... I want him to go to the Chargers, though. I want him to go to somewhere with no... Uh, any sort of real like home field advantage at all and no O-line. I hope he goes to the Chargers. No Dante gets... Sarnecki. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I hope he goes to the Chargers and gets destroyed. But I still think, I know that Jeff Darlington, whoever that is, thinks that Brady's going to not go back to New England. But I still think he will, frankly. I'll I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, that he goes somewhere else and, and is uh, open to getting exposed for how uh, overrated he is without Belichick. But anyway, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah, the obvious thing. I think that anybody who knows not even nearly as much as Mike about the Packers, but I think the first thing that came to mind when I saw that quote was Brett Favre. I mean, <laughs> 100%. Like, I barely finished the sentence, and, Brett, and, I, and I have John Madden in my head. Brett, Brett Favre. Brett yeah, Favre. Like, yeah. I had that before I finished the sentence. Uh, obviously, like, So that means that he wins a Super Bowl this year, which is great, but he wins an MVP as essentially a rookie with... Instincts. yeah. And that's obviously like just gunslinger like Brett Favre and just making it work and not not thinking about the game like Peyton Manning making it this chess match. You're trying to just outsmart everyone or like Wayne Gretzky playing hockey. No, I'm just going to bomb it and we're just going to hope for the best. We're just going to play 500 all the time and, you know, hope, hopefully something happens good and hopefully there's not too many interceptions, which it, it, it is a little hard to believe. Maybe he means like... You know, he, he, I'm sure he knew what a nickel defense was in college. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think it was as bad as Favre, like, has that ridiculous. Maybe he means he really figured out. Like, he, I think he has to mean, like, he kind of got it before. You'd but, like to think. But, but now he's like, okay, now I, you know, it's like if somebody's literally playing chess and you see the same, even though there's trillions of combinations of, of boards, you, you start to see real patterns. And you start to kind of just instinctively know, okay, everyone's lined up like this. This is what I do. Like, it's not even, it just becomes second nature, maybe. Yeah. It's it's more instinctive, but not raw instinct. Instinct based on pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. So I think that maybe that's what he means. Because if he, this far into the 21st century, is getting away with that shit, that is ludicrous. And whether he, whether this is all bullshit or not, though, he is obviously the best quarterback at this point. Mm -hmm. In 2020... 
there's no way anybody, if, okay, if you're starting a franchise now and you're factoring in the current age of the quarterbacks, you, you're not going to start a franchise with Tom Brady, even if you think he's still good. He's 42. Like, let's be serious, right? Right now, the odd person might take Lamar Jackson, but that's very, very risky. And Russell Wilson, super solid. Aaron Rodgers still plays really well. But if you're starting a franchise right now and you get any player... Patrick Mahomes. It's, it's not even a question. Patrick Mahomes is easily the best offensive player in the league. It's just I find it with football, it's really tough to compare. Like, how do you definitively say who's a better football player, Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Donald? Like, it's like yeah. that's really hard to compare, right. to say that one's better than the other. Like... So I'll just say that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, and he's the best offensive player in the league right now. And I don't count his rookie season where he played one game. As far as I was concerned, last year he was a rookie. He won the MVP. This year he's a sophomore in the league, and he wins the Super Bowl. The sky is the limit. And you want to talk about a guy who could win a lot of rings. There you go. I mean, that's what you're looking at right there. I don't know how long Andy Reid will stay around, uh, but... You know, and good for the franchise, not just not just him. Like, they almost lost Tyreek Hill, and they somehow got through all that thing. It turned out he was kind of framed there. But, I mean, they lose Kareem Hunt, the rushing leader, and they just replace him with, like, four other guys, no problem. So good for the Chiefs for being set up well and being able to roll with the punches and, and adjust. And, and in, in the playoffs, they were trailing every single game by double digits, and they won them all. So they can come back, they can adjust, great coaching, Great players, great team, great fans, and I mean, hey, that that's going to be a scary franchise going forward, and I don't want to be the Broncos or the Raiders or the Chargers, so I mean, the Raiders might have the money, but they have just been a hapless franchise for so long. The Broncos and the Chargers, I don't trust to do shit the right way at all with Elway and the debacle that is uh, the Chargers right now, so we could see... The new New England Patriots dominating dominating their division, dominating Super Bowl appearances. You have to think that that's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs going forward, and everyone is going to want to play there as well to play with Patrick Mahomes. Well, you know, and last week we were making fun of our favorite NFL whipping boys, the Cleveland Browns, and uh, especially Truck Stop Jimmy. Uh, again, I want to make it perfectly clear that John Dorsey, regardless of what you think of him, John Dorsey had a lot to do with the success and the building of the foundation of where the Kansas City Chiefs are. And remember this, it was John Dorsey that drafted Patrick Mahomes to Kansas City. So if Truck Stop Jimmy didn't believe in John Dorsey's abilities, I truly believe somebody else will. And somebody else, I think, will uh, be the benefactor of John Dorsey's abilities to lead uh, an NFL franchise. Well, that actually brings up to me the whole idea about these loser franchises. So even when the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Cleveland Browns catch a break, it's they still, still screw it up. Like John Dorsey goes to Kansas City and drafts Mahomes and, and really, you know, brings makes, in Andy Reid. Yeah, makes a lot of great decisions and they end up winning a Super Bowl. He goes to Cleveland and in fairness, he seemed to make bad decisions too. Oh, for sure. Right? Like Baker Mayfield first overall. I, we said, we laughed and laughed and laughed. We yep. watched the live at your house right here. Yep. And we laughed and laughed and laughed at the idea of taking Baker Mayfield over Saquon Barkley. Yep. And I don't, is there anyone who would rather have Baker Mayfield than Saquon Barkley right now? I sure wouldn't. I, Mrs. I, Mrs. Mayfield doesn't oh, want Baker Mayfield. Well, no. Well, yeah, when he's, 
when he's hooking up with his mistress in the parking lot at a cheesecake factory. I mean, <laughs> good grief. What a guy. What a class leader uh, of my organization. Yeah, exactly. So, no, we'll take Saquon all day there. And But, I mean, Lou Lamorello goes to Toronto. Yeah. Doesn't work. I don't know if he did anything wrong, but it just didn't work, and they get rid of him. And then he goes and gets trots, and all of a sudden they lose Tavares to Toronto, and they're still better than they were before. <laughs> like, it's, it's like these, even when these franchises get guys from outside who are good they still suck like it's I don't know it's hard to picture the Cleveland Browns or the Detroit Lions or the Toronto Maple Leafs or any any of these franchises like even if you and I you know could hire anyone we wanted for them you know it just it seems like they'll just never win again right and maybe and in the case yeah in the case of the Lions like they've never won 1954. Yeah, 54. And then the Browns were good in the 50s as well. Browns were very good in the 50s. The last time the Browns have won a football championship was 1964 with Jim Brown. Yeah. So, I mean, the Super Bowl era, the modern era for hockey, these teams haven't done shit. Like, nothing. And you don't see anything with those teams you just mentioned. You don't see anything on the horizon that makes you think, oh, it's about to happen. Yeah. Uh -uh. I see still... Uh, I still incompatibility. I see poor play. I see bo- poor management. I see poor coaching, and all of that adds up to the Cleveland Browns, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and these teams that are just swimming in mediocrity. Yeah, and even when they start to get good, something happens. So the Cleveland Browns draft Miles Garrett first overall, who's a fantastic player, and then this helmet thing happens and we don't know for sure what was said or whatever but i mean mason rudolph did appear to try to take off his helmet oh, so he's sure. like he's like okay you want to take off a helmet i'll take off your helmet and i'll bash in the head with it great point and my question to you follow up would be this if miles garrett is drafted instead by the steelers i don't think he has the problem with the helmet thing because just because the Steelers are a more credible organization and they wouldn't put up with that bullshit and they would make sure that their guys now again i'm not I'm not saying that Mason Rudolph didn't have something to do with that with that fight and that helmet crap back in November. All I'm saying is I think that there are more credible organizations that if Miles Garrett would have gone to, I think there's a less of a chance of something like that in November happening with a 49ers or an Eagles or a Packers or a team that seems to be a little bit more credible than the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and and you're right. But even if he went to some franchise that isn't as solid as the Steelers, that exact situation, that exact player trying to take off his helmet, like that exact situation probably doesn't happen in our timeline. Yeah. And so it just never comes up. And you mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, they, with Blake Bortles, nearly went to the Super Bowl. (laughs) with Like, they got this great defense. Everything's falling into place. Like... The defense is not just amazing, but it's uh, like the best scoring defense ever, practically, at one point. And then it all just falls apart. And now all of a sudden, they're, you know, I've been seeing people doing power rankings, our favorite thing for next year, and they've got the Jaguars dead last, and I don't blame them. Nope. I mean, you all of a sudden, you lose Ramsey and Boye. Now you have no cornerbacks in, at all. Uh, the whole Foles and Minshew thing, nobody knows what's going on. Tom Coughlin, you know, that was a disaster. And now, uh, you know, 25% of the grievances in the league are against the Jaguars. Like, they're all of a sudden, they couldn't be worse. They have no roster. They have no leadership. Their coach is a weirdo, and nobody wants to play there. And they're looking at two games next year in England. And the NFLPA is literally telling people, don't sign with this franchise. That's right. Like, 
holy fuck like you it actually looked like okay they weren't like the loser jaguars all of a sudden they're this exciting dynamic fun defense to watch didn't they put the tag on some guy last week and he's like i don't want to play in jackson yeah so this is a great young player so yannick and gawkway that's it he is fantastic and he's like okay well that's you can franchise tag me but i've said i'm not going to sign a long-term deal there and then when you do something like this it's like oh, yeah, well, you're going to play for us this year. It's like, okay, well, now I'm really not, like, you know, okay, well, f- that's great. So you're just treating me like a piece of shit. Like, no wonder you guys are failing. So, you know, and he's probably not going to be that motivated unless he decides he's playing for a contract and has to show off. But he's a great young player. All of a sudden, they go from all this potential and all these guys to just nothing. And I don't know. I, like, I'm, I'm just not the type of person that believes in jinxes or magic or curses or voodoo or any of that shit. I just don't believe in any of that stuff whatsoever. But when you see this type of stuff, like even when you hire away the guys that have been successful elsewhere or you have a great team and you put it together and you almost get there, all of a sudden the whole thing just collapses like it's a rigged shell game. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we can ever fix some of these loser franchises. I, I just, I can't imagine a day when we are going to see the Detroit Lions or the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Cleveland Browns or the Toronto Maple Leafs win a title. I just can't see it and they don't deserve it. And no one actually feels sorry for them either. Wow. That, you are rolling today. Um, I promised that I will not talk about the sign-stealing bullshit going on in Major League Baseball. And I, I will, I will... Stay steadfast in that. I don't want to talk about it either. We know the Astros are crooks. We know the Astros are owned by a moron, and we move forward. I will not talk about it until there is some punishment for the players. I think that there needs to be some punishment for the players because of the simple fact that you can have some intern figure this out and and with the computer and all this other stuff and with the camera angles and everything, but somebody still had to execute that game plan on the field. And I think that uh, Messrs. Altuve and Bregman and Correa, the shortstop, until these guys get punished, I think that there's going to be a, a big, big, big black cloud over baseball, especially, obviously, over the Houston Astros. I want to get through that. But one of my favorite Rippin' boys happens to be playing baseball these days. And I'm talking about my favorite Southeastern Conference television um, analyst, I'm talking about uh, in the 2000, I think, seven or eight season, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback at the University of Florida won two national championships under Urban Meyer. And we're talking about Chris and Mai's favorite guy, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is back in the news today. No, he didn't get married. No, he didn't do something else. Tim Tebow uh, will not break camp this season with the New York Mets. Damn, that's a damn shame. As the team made Tebow one of 11 other players cut from the Mets big league club on Friday and assigned to the team's minor league camp. He batted just two for 13 over 10 spring league games with one bomb, one home run. Um, Is it time for Terrible Tim to start thinking about making either God's word his mission or full-time announcing or... I just think it's probably time for Terrible Tim to give up his dreams of being an outfielder for a Major League Baseball team because let's, let's, all right, let's, let's call a, a kettle whatever. I don't want to say anything racist here, but uh, let's call a spade a spade. 
There it is. Um, Tim Tebow is not going to be on a Major League Baseball roster for a team near you. And I think at this point, now being 32 or 33 years old, I think the dream is over for Terrible Tim and it's time for him to pursue other interests. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think people forgot about Tim Tebow a long time ago. And yeah, I mean, so he was born in the Philippines to Baptist missionaries and then moved to Jacksonville at age Is that how he's playing for Team Philippines in the World Baseball thing coming up? Oh, I didn't know he was. Yeah, but yeah he, was, he was born in the Philippines, yeah. Oh, okay. His parents were Baptist His missionaries. His parents were drunk on San Miguel, and they went out and partied one night, yeah. and here came Tim. So, I mean, he's so religious because, number one, his parents were Baptist missionaries, and number two... Uh, his mom was really sick at the time. She had dysentery when when she found out that she was pregnant. And so uh, she had to take this medication, and it basically they basically expected Tim Tebow to be stillborn, is what oh. they expected. And then, so they wrecked the doc. So, I mean, medical advice recommended an abortion, but number one, it was severe. Yeah. It's totally illegal in the Philippines, even in the most severe cases. And number two, they didn't want to anyway. And so he's all about, you know, that just... Knowing that as an adult just reinforces everything. So sure. I mean, that's why he's that's why he's like that. I appreciate he means well, but I mean, he has you know he's he he's been not even as good as Michael Jordan at baseball, if we're honest. <laughs> that's right, absolutely. If we're honest, right? And absolutely. And uh, the whole appeal is gone. I mean, at this point, I don't. I mean, when he first did it, it was neat. Like maybe he'll somehow make the Mets and be their opening day and he'll sell at the yeah. ballpark and it'll be kind of this fun thing. And who knows, maybe he'll catch lightning in a bottle and, and have a good run or something. But at this point, it's like trying to take all these old guys that no one cares about anymore. Like anyone who's obsessed with college football probably still thinks like, yeah, Johnny Manziel or something, bring him back and they're going to be worth something. And none of these failed college prospects, and that's what they are. They're prospects when they're playing in college. None of these failed prospects are any good to anybody anymore and no one cares unless you just think that college is everything and those people maybe still think these guys are worth something but they're not and Tim Tebow is you know he's just a silly hick at this yeah. point I yeah. mean is is all he really is and uh so I don't know what he's doing he means well I saw a lot of really funny tweets when it was announced he was getting married and everyone was just taught trying to give him sex advice because they're saying he's a virgin <laughs> holy man the internet had a really good day. It was really funny. I saw one guy send him a tweet to Tim Tebow, and he said, "Okay, so you know, you know, when you're going down on her, you know, like it, it, it might be a little tangy at first, but I promise it's not bad. Like you know, it'll be okay." And it was this is the funniest thing. I really I enjoyed the shit out of it so much. A little tangy, <laughs> but I promise it's not bad. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh you know, the one name, <laughs> the one name through, through this whole baseball scandal bullshit that we keep hearing about that has been just, just really, really uh, opinionated on his ideas has been a starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds by the name of Trevor Bauer. And Trevor Bauer. I like him. I, well, I do too. I love his honesty and he's, and, and he's, he's. He's calling it like it is. Um, On Twitter, at Bauer Outage. Yes. Um, he got a face-to-face -face meeting with Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred on Friday, weeks after calling him a joke. Says that the meeting was a productive conversation, hopeful that some positive will come of it. 
more than just talk, but that remains to be seen, end quote. Bauer said that the way baseball handled the Astros' sign-stealing scandal and newly proposed playoff format, which would allow 14 teams into the postseason as opposed to the current 10, is absurd before calling the commissioner himself a joke. Um, I love his brutal honesty. I am on board with everything that Trevor Bauer has said. 14 teams is ludicrous for Major League Baseball. Um, But the way that this signs, and I know I wasn't supposed to talk about it, but I wanted to make mention that I... Chris and I are on board with what Trevor Bauer is saying, and he just has the balls to say it. And that's why I applaud him. Because if we had a real man, excuse me, a real commissioner running Major League Baseball, somebody that would call, can you, can you imagine, can you imagine in the day if somebody from the player ranks in the National Football League called um, in his day, Burt Bell, before your time, but Pete Rozelle, or Paul Tagliabue, or to some extent, Jane Goodell's husband, if they called that acting commissioner a joke, you don't think there'd be ramifications? Or think about think about really the day David Stern um, ruled the NBA with an iron hand during his day, and he had Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan genuflecting in front of him. And if you had heard, if David Stern during his day and during his lifetime had heard one of his uh, whether it's a superstar or just a guy at the end of a roster, a bench guy, call him a joke, there would have been ramifications. For Trevor Bauer to come out and say what he has said, and I again, I support him a thousand percent, and I, I'm not speaking for Chris, but I believe Chris believes, just like I do, that Trevor Bauer is speaking the truth, and I respect that. But I believe even if Bud, Bud Light, Bud Selig was still commissioner of Major League Baseball, I believe that there would be some punishment if you called the acting sitting commissioner a joke. Even though it's true in this regard because the way Manfred has handled baseball the last six to eight months has been a joke. It is a joke, this new playoff format. Um, but again, the steroids thing was something, and, and the, the loss of the 94 World Series and the steroid things were two defining eras during Bud Selig's 25 years at the head of Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred has been around three years, and he's already eclipsed the bad stuff that Bud Light did in his 25 years. This sign-stealing scandal is just started. We haven't heard what's happened yet with the Boston Red Sox. What's the delay, boys? If it's not as so bad, it's supposedly not as bad as the Houston Astros, what the hell's taking so long? Let you know we the, the Red Sox have to hire an interim manager because they don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, I appreciate what Trevor Brower has said. Again, not to sound repetitive, but I I I back him a thousand percent. And again, I appreciate that he had the you know what to say what was on his mind. And in this day and age, I am very appreciative of Trevor Bauer and his thoughts and his. Uh, well, the balls it took to make his thoughts public domain. Well, this is the good thing about having a weak, empty suit of a commissioner is that you can say this stuff and you know the guy's too much of a pussy to do anything about it. And it's great. I mean, you know, and that's why I said last week on the show or the week before, whenever it was. And I said, look, I mean, this is why guys aren't going to worry about 
showing up high to the ballpark or getting caught with a joint or something. As long as you don't get caught with 157 pounds yeah. like Greg Robinson, uh, then then you should be fine. Now known as inmate number 17365. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, seriously, why? Boy, this guy is useless, this Manfred. I can't believe it, like how bad he is. Just an empty suit completely, just nothing there. I mean... Because again, like I said, even Goodell, like as bad as he is and all about the status quo and trying to do as little as possible, he at least, if you say something bad about Roger Goodell, he'll he'll respond, like yeah. for sure. Like he'll at least do that. But, but Manfred won't this even do that. This guy's taking a meeting. This guy's taking a meeting with the guy that called him a joke. Manfred is just everyone's bitch. <laughs> like he is. He is. He is. There's no question. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's just the way you say it. It makes me laugh. Oh, that's good. You're absolutely right. Good. Like he's that. There's that's the best way to describe him. So so I guess in that way he is like Greg Robinson. <laughs> 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 Inmate one five seven, yeah, yeah. He's he's the uh, he's he's the bitch of his uh, neighborhood. Cell block D, his neighborhood, yeah. shall we say? Yeah. So he just couldn't be worse. And you know, this is just what's what's so wrong with with business. And you know, we've all seen it. All of us that have had to work in business, we've seen these empty suits who somehow get into a position of power, and they just don't know how to do anything. They're just completely useless, useless all the way. And it's. It's it's not just a black mark on sports, but on society, on business, on both the private sector and the public sector, and it's just rampant. And maybe there's just not enough really good people for leadership and managerial positions. Maybe that's part of the problem. But I think it's more corruption and nepotism and and all that. So it, it really, you know, it's funny, but it's embarrassing. But yeah, good for Trevor Bauer, Bauer outage. Good for him for speaking his mind and not being afraid, but why would you be afraid when there's nothing to be afraid of? Before we get out of here on this uh, 474th episode of Unscripted, a bit of a Tiger Woods update, and I'm I'm of the belief with this news that uh, his appearance this year to defend his championship at Augusta could be in jeopardy. Um, Tiger withdrew... Uh, or excuse me, did not even sign up to play. The deadline to play in a tournament, if you didn't know, is the Friday before. So if Tiger was going to play in the Players' Championship next week at Ponte, whatever it is, Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida, which is outside of Jacksonville, at the TPC course there, um, the famous 17th, the famous green, the 17th hole, um, if Tiger was going to play in that tournament, he had to alert tournament officials by Friday that he was going to play. His agent, Mark Steinberg, made the announcement on Friday that Tiger is not going to play at the uh, Players' Championship, and he's citing more back problems. The back just is not right. He has played a total of eight competitive rounds since he was so good at the President's Cup back in December, where I think it's safe to say of the, I don't know how many players were there, 12, is it? I guess, yeah, 12, 24 for both teams. I think that Tiger was the best player of the 24 players at the President's Cup in Melbourne, Australia, back in December. But since then, Tiger has played eight rounds of competitive golf. And how can you get ready for Augusta when you potentially could play as little as eight rounds of competitive golf before Augusta National. Augusta happens the second week of April, so we're about a month away, and I'm having real doubts that Tiger Woods will make it back to defend his title this year at the Masters because I don't think he is physically ready to play. The back, the fusioned back, is giving him a hell of a time. 
the knee, which of course he had surgically repaired. And then obviously we saw him win the Zozo Championship in August, or excuse me, in October in Japan. And then he played very, very well at his own tournament down there in the Bahamas. And then again, I think he was the best player at the just completed back in December at the President's Cup in Australia. I truly believe that it might be a stretch for Tiger Woods to play this year at Augusta, and that would be a shame. Well, tournament organizers would be very upset with that well, for, for sure. sure they but, would. but I mean, I guess we haven't really seen what's going to happen with this coronavirus. And to be honest, like I've just, I've tried to avoid talking about this COVID 19 stuff because there's all this competing stuff. I mean, it seems like lots of people have gotten it and just rested for a couple of days and, and then they're fine. And it's really tough for me to be overly worried about something that can be cured by playing Nintendo and staying home for a couple of days. You know, it's like really. And I know, and, and that's not to minimize a lot of people have died, and I appreciate that. Italy's got it really bad right now, and a lot of older people, immune-compromised people are dying. It seems like places that have a lot of smokers, like Italy and China, that, that seems to not be a good thing when you get a respiratory illness. Imagine that. But, you know, I just... Now, I just read a tweet from Daniel Negreanu saying that he thinks like the World Series of Poker this year is in jeopardy because of because that brings people from yeah, all absolutely. over the world. Right. Yeah. So that's a that's an interesting one. It'd be nice if you could somehow screen people or something. Maybe I don't know what the solution is. And now, of course, you know, the LeBron James thing and talking about playing with no fans in the stands, certain things and all this. And I don't know what's going to happen here. But, uh, and, and who knows, I mean, golf generally attracts real international audience as well. Especially at the Masters, Especially yeah. at the Masters. So I don't know what's going to happen here, but I just, I still remain convinced that this is going to go, in the end, the way of SARS, bird flu, swine flu, hoof and mouth disease, uh, Zika, all this other stuff I was supposed to die of and never came close to getting and even and again, this one, even if I do get this one, this seems less scary than all the other ones for a younger, uh, relatively healthy person. So, you know, I don't want to downplay the impact it's having on people, uh, but it's just to me, I just I, I've been, you know, they've cried wolf too many times for me. And I just have a hard time believing that this one is the end of civilization. I saw a video at a Costco in Las Vegas this mm -hmm. morning and lined up forever so that and like even here martina my wife was at the store the other day here in calgary and she said there was not a roll of toilet paper to be found because people think this is going to lead to the collapse of civilization mm -hmm. and we're gonna lose uh capitalism and we're gonna devolve into some sort of barter system where uh toilet paper is premium currency and and people are just being lunatics about this we are not at that point at all the vast majority of both severe cases as well as deaths remains at uh, or in Ch in mainland china and on top of that uh the mortality rate even if you only go off of the confirmed cases which is a misleading stat because there'd be tons of people who have the milder strain of it or haven't reported it or whatever so the ex you know the the number that's being reported right now is 3.4% mortality rate. So 3.4% of people that have been reported have died from it. But I mean, if you try to factor in, yeah. they're estimating like 100 people for every one that's reported are not reported. Uh, that, that would put the mortality rate below 1%. And I mean, again, not to downplay anyone, people like people have died and families have been affected. And that's very sad. But um, for something with less than a 1% mortality rate that 
is unlikely to affect me. People are, I think, overreacting in a lot of ways. And I understand trying to restrict uh, international travel, and it'd be nice if we could have a screening process. But I remain absolutely confident that this is not going to lead to the end of civilization or the collapse of world markets. Well, I can tell you one thing. Uh, my mother and uh, stepfather are supposed to be here in June from Florida, and they have already looked into and they're concerned about there may be a travel ban in the near future here set in the United States about international travel, and that would exclude them from coming to Canada. So um, we'll see. I, I will say this. I will sleep better knowing this, that there's a big curling tournament going on here in Canada called the Briar, and curlers opt have opted for traditional hand straight, handshakes at the Briar instead of the suggested fist pumps. So if the curlers can do it, we can do it too. And um, I don't know enough about it. I respect it. I hope it. I don't become a number. I think my chances are pretty good as long as I keep my hands clean and, um, you know, keep doing the things that I'm doing here, you know, limit a lot of things, I suppose. But if you live in fear, that's not living. So uh, I'm I'm kind of echoing Chris's thoughts here. Um, as long as we keep doing the right things and uh, keep our hands clean. And obviously, we've got to learn more about it. But um, I, I don't know. It's interesting. It's it's going to be very interesting to see with this big NCAA basketball tournament coming up, what they're going to do potentially. I mean, it would really seem weird to see a Sweet 16 game and nobody's in the gym except the announcers, the referees, the players, the trainers, and the coaches. That would be really, really difficult to see. We will see. We've got a run on this 474th episode of Unscripted. Freeform Friday is next as we wrap up another week of shows here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said that, for the executive producer of our little program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.